following program contains language and subject matter that is adult in nature. Discretion is advised. Okay, there we go. This is Ugly Phil. What are you waiting for? Do it! Triple M. So, I was reading in the news, it's all over TV, Grant Hackett. Can you hack it? Can you hack a nipple tweak, which he was allegedly accused of by reaching around and giving someone a nipple tweak? And I said whilst we were having a meeting today with Sammy X, Pedro the Mexican Cleaner, and Mr. Inappropriate, what would hurt more out of a nipple tweak or maybe a Chinese wrist burn? So we thought we would find out. And Pedro, the Mexican cleaner, you've agreed to be the guinea pig for this. I'm doing this of my own free will. So I like a demonstration, could ugly Phil? No, I'm not part of this, no. So uh, I think the first one that we will do is the Chinese wrist burn. If you could give that to Pedro, the Mexican cleaner, and we'll find out on a scale of one to five, I think, yeah? Let's do this. The Chinese wrist burn, if you could do that, please. Two, three. Ah! Hiya! It's a bit burning. <laughs> Did you like that? It's a bit burning. It's about a two and a half. Two and a half out of five. Okay, what's the next one we're going to have? The wedgie. The wedgie. You I, know how that goes? I do it every day. Hello, the missus inappropriate. professional at the wedgie. Okay, I've never touched Pedro's underpants, and I'm glad I'm not the one doing it. If you can just stand behind him, give him the wedgie, and we'll see if this okay, is... Okay, you don't have to stand that close behind uh, him. No. Uh, with my teeth or with my hands? Stop okay. stalling, just do it. Yeah, all right. The wedgie. Ah! Stop it! Stop it now! Sammy X, should I let go? I think you got the cahoonings there. So what are we giving that out of five? I need to take a breath. About a four. four, About a four? four, That was quite painful there. Okay, now the dead leg, if you could give that to him. I don't even know what a dead leg is. What is a dead leg? That's the feel. Knee to the leg. A knee to the leg. Yeah, okay. In my thigh. So what are we going to give that out of? That wasn't as bad as the wedgie, but it was more better than... So yeah, about a three. Okay, so in the interest of science and Grant Hackett, let's have the nipple tweak, and you can tell me out of five how much this... Is it the twist or is it the tweak? (laughs) Don't know. It's up to Mr. Appropriate. Which would you want? Uh, Just a tweak. I've suffered enough. (laughs) All right, let's have the tweak. Here we go on the count of three. One, one and a half, (laughs) two and three quarters, three... Oh, no, that, that wasn't too bad. I don't... Do both nipples. Okay, that's it. Okay. Thank you very much. I think, so... I think Pedro likes the pain. What was the most painful? Uh, the most painful was the wedgie. The wedgie. Okay, so a nipple tweak is really not worth getting arrested for, I'd say. Definitely not, no. Thank you, everybody. So, Gazzo, get in here. I want to know your opinion because I've got opinions about this. Well, firstly, I think that ACDC without Brian Johnson, I mean, and featuring just one original member now with Angus, tough enough not having Malcolm in the group on the last tour on Rock or Bust, is uh, nephew Stevie having to fill in for Malcolm. That's one thing. But to have one original member in ACDC, you've got to ask the question, is it really ACDC? And if the rumours are true the way they've treated Brian Johnson after 30 years of service to the band, I mean, it ain't the best for ACDC, put it that way. Getting Axel Rose to fill in, well, i got a couple of problems with this. I mean, a- Axel Rose at the best of times is unreliable. I mean, he's worse than Madonna. Yeah. You know, with Angus running a tight ship, and it is very much Angus's band, it won't be Axel's band. And, you know, if Axel wants to go backstage, 
stage and eat 25 pies and not come on. You know, Angus ain't going to let that ride with him. No. This could be a car crash potentially waiting to happen. Well, I just think, what does this do for the legacy of ACDC and why does Angus have to persist when it could be left as is? And everyone will go, wow, what a great band. You'd go and see Angus Young solo, wouldn't you? Because that's essentially what it is. It's, it's Angus Young solo. Yeah. But, you know, under the guise of ACDC with villain musicians, I don't know. And it, I agree with you. Axel and him are not going to get on. At some stage, there'll be an issue backstage. Uh, there will because Axel is his own man and we know how tight a ship ACDC business is, you know. It's a, it it's is a, a family. Run business, yeah. you know, and uh, Angus ain't going to put up with much shit, especially from Axel Rose. We've taken it as a personal affront, but what about you? How do you feel? Is this a good or a bad thing for ACDC? Talking about Axel Rose taking over as the lead singer of ACDC, it's preposterous and I don't think it's going to work out. Colin from the Rubber Room Facebook page agrees. John reckons it's also a train wreck, the kind of which we have never seen. And Fezza reckons no effing way. What about you, Dash? G'day, mate. How you going? Is this a dash for cash on Angus's behalf? No, it's definitely not, mate. I'll tell you, it's just back from more old Victoria, and I'm here to say, matey, that Axel Rose is not going to hope with ACDC. No. Because you've, you've really got to just think about it. It's either ACDC or Axel, or Guns N' Roses. Yeah. Otherwise, they're going to change the name to Electric Rose or something. It's stupid. Yeah, it is. So, I mean... I... Yeah, you're absolutely right. Who's that in the background? Uh, my brother's yelling at this. He says, "Tell him I agree wholeheartedly." Yeah. The other issue, of course, no, it's fine. The other issue, of course, is the fact that Axel's not going to turn up to some of these gigs. And Angus, who is a businessman, he's the Donald Trump of rock and roll. He's not going to like that. Absolutely, absolutely. He's just going to call him by the ledger. And if you don't play the game, mate, there's going to be conflict. Yeah. Extraordinary. He'll schoolboy all over your ass. Oh, absolutely, mate. I'm with you 100 percent on that. What do you reckon, Jim? I, I agree and disagree with you in some ways. I look at it this way, Axel sounded just awesome. I mean, he sounded like more like Bon Scott than he, than, uh, than the new guys that they, they yeah. took on. And I say the new guy in Brian Johnson because had we had the attitude to Brian Johnson that we've got now to Axel Rose, we wouldn't have had all these great new albums that ACDC have done in the last 30 years. Yeah, I think I so, agree with you in terms of vocal, but the issue is that he's so unpredictable and unreliable and ACDC run like a well-oiled machine and I think someone's going to get pissed off. I, I, I can see that too because, I mean, if you read Slash's book, he talked about how infamous that, uh, that uh, Axel was with getting on time with gigs and his behaviour before gigs and it got worse as the band went on. But look, he made Coachella okay and he seemed to be very professional there. Yeah, he got to one gig. <laughs> what do you think, Joe? Yeah, go, Phil. Personally, I reckon it's a disaster to happen, uh, waiting to happen. Yep. I think um, I think um, I had the privilege of obviously seeing the guys when they came to Melbourne earlier this year, but I think if the boys uh, took a leap out of George Harrison's book and, you know, remember back in the late 80s when he formed uh, the Travelling Wilburys? Yeah, that's right. Well, you could have any one of those super groups, you know, Asia was another good example. You know, maybe put together another group, don't call them ACDC, and Dave Grohl can join. Absolutely, yeah. Now, Dave Grohl would be a welcome addition to that too, wouldn't he? What do you think, Marge? Uh, yeah, look, I, I'm pretty annoyed that um, Axel Rose has taken over. It's upset the whole community of McKinnon. Yeah, I'm not surprised. There were people, in fact, this weekend, they were going to have a fate, but that's off now. I don't know if you know, for this reason alone. Uh, no, I didn't know, I'd be Phil. It's the McKinnon Lions fate happening this Saturday, but since Axel's joined ACDC, they said that's it, the Chook raffle is off. Oh, it's no good. You're listening to the Rubber Room Podcast. You can listen to us weeknights 7 to 10 p.m. on Triple M. 
How about this over the weekend? Uh, somebody was selling air from Kobe Bryant's last NBA game. It was listed on eBay as air from Kobe's final game in a plastic bag with that written on it in black marker pen. Started uh, at about $1, but later on, and before they pulled it from eBay, the bidding had got up to $15,000, which proves that people will buy anything. Even if it's air from the trendy London suburb of Shoreditch, which is what Carl's doing, he's on the phone. So how this works is you go and you scoop air from Shoreditch and you sell it. Talk to me about it. A way of encapsulating how London feels right now. Um, it has real big notes of Thai vegan foods and organic coffee beans. We do it at any specified time that you request. So if you want an AM version, you'll definitely get subtle notes of whatever was left over from the night before, perhaps um, peeped up kebabs or hemp brewed beer. What if I wanted the late night sort of swinging London feel as well? Okay. Could you do me sort of a pre-midnight oh, scoop? The pre-midnight scoop, well, you're still going to get sweaty uh, pre-nightclub teens coming from rural areas of the UK, mm. and so we'll definitely capture that. You know what, I think you've talked me out of it. Now let's go back to the early morning sort of <laughs> smooth feel of the air that you've got for me there. We'll capture whatever moment you, you, is necessary. You're the next Richard Branson. Forget virgin air, <laughs> Shoreditch air. It's happening. If you can't reach Shoreditch, if you're a hipster and you're elsewhere in the world and you really want to reach the pinnacle of, like, hipsterism, order your bottle. Uh, what's the procedure? Uh, do you go out and you've got a jar and then you scoop a bit out of the air and then you quickly put the lid on, or is it more technical than that? Well, that is one way. We are focusing on different brands, but there is a premium version that we're working on where I do go out at a specified time where any of my teeth, they go out they capture it. They use a miniature fan to push the air in and they quickly capture it in a mason jar. You'll get a certificate of authenticity as well signed by the bottler. So I can't discriminate. I can't put a higher price on Croydon Air, higher price on bricks on Air. The last thing you want to be accused of is being airist. Absolutely. (laughs) How do I get my shortage air and what kind of container does it arrive in? It comes in a mason jar. Might be a jug. Never know. Might be a jam jar. You could go to shortageair.myshopify.com to get it. Right. There are some pretenders out there who've already copied it. Oh, really? But there's um, only one original one and it has my face on it. We're actually tweeting with um, one of the clean air programs in London to see how we could like, sort of turn this into some sort of partnership. So we'll see what happens. You're the sting of the shortage stage. air. <laughs> there you go. Maybe there might be some fetishist out there, Sammy X, who might be interested in a little bit of my tasty late Sunday night, early morning Dutch oven. What do you think? Uh, I can scoop that up. Oh, that's horrible, There's probably someone out there be into that. Probably would be. Wow. I mean, it's not necessarily fresh, but it's always pure. It's fresh in a way. Yeah, that's true. Jeez, I love when I find out stuff like this. I live for what ostensibly is rubbish and useless information. But in my hands, this is the kind of thing that I can tell people when I'm drunk at the bar and they go, Really? Did you know if you take a bit of scotch tape or a bit of sellotape if you like and you stick that tape over your mobile phone's flash when you take the photo then you colour the tape with a blue marker get this Sammy X that allows you to snap pictures that mimic the CSI ones as though they're taken with a black light Wow, so it shows up blood and stuff Stuff like that Traces of normally invisible body fluids like sweat, saliva urine and semen which reminds me I must have changed my cheeks anyway if you go to a hotel or a workplace you've got this a bit of tape stuck over the flash of your mobile phone you just get a blue marker and you colour it in you take the photo there is your proof of what's been going on on your desk while you haven't been there wow I'm going to do that around this desk yeah you should and you know what I think when I hear stuff like that what get the f*** out of here (laughs) yeah
one of my favourite segments on the radio. Michelle, how are you? Good, how are you? Good to talk to you. What have you got? There are tumours that are totally benign, but when you open them up, you can find hair and teeth in them. Get the f*** out of here! <laughs> They're fantastic. I've seen them. <laughs> Where did you see them? I work in a pathology lab. <laughs> And so is it the teeth of another human being or have they developed their own kind of, you know, Darwinistic system? No, the, the um, inside of the tumour acts like normal skin and normal skin grows hair and the inside of the mouth grows teeth and the tumour thinks it's a mouth or a scalp and just does the same thing. Get the f*** out of here! <laughs> Could you perhaps, if you've been out and you've been drunk and somebody says you were really obnoxious and belligerent last night, go, wasn't me speaking, in fact. It was the tumour. Barry, shut up! <laughs> I have to try that get-out-of-jail card myself. Dane, how are you? I want to tell you that Dr Otto Warburg, have you ever heard of him? Did he catch yeah. fish with his mouth at SeaWorld? <laughs> Otherwise, it's a different otter. No. Right. In 1931, yep. he won the Nobel Prize for discovering that cancer dies in a high alkaline environment. Get the f*** out of here! And that it thrives in an acidic environment, such as an environment high in sugar, high in shitty foods. And Get the f*** out of here! Just look up Dr Otto Warburg. How does Michelle Bridges feel about this? If it helps her sell books, I'm sure she'd feel really <laughs> fuzzy about it. 1931 Nobel Peace Prize. Just check it out. Let me look it up for you, Dane. But in the meantime... Yeah, mate. Get the f*** out of here. Get the f*** right out of here, Dr. Phil. <laughs> You're listening to The Rubber Room Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at the Rubber Room AU. All right, let's get to know your Triple M. We're going to take you around the building of Triple M so you're aware of what it's like with your favourite radio station and what goes on behind the scenes. And tonight, let's take you to the sales department. Hey, Nick, how are you? What do you do here at Triple M? Sell, mate. Sell, sell, sell. What time slot are you interested in? Uh, how much do you want to spend? To be honest, I was kind of more interested in how, you know, the sales department here at Triple M works. Oh, mate, it's all about the Benjamins. I was only thinking this morning on my way into Triple M in my new Festiva Sports from Brian Fury Ford. I was on the way to Harvey Norman to pick up a brand new vacuum cleaner when I got a call from Telstra on my iPhone SE. Looking at my Seiko, picked that up for a great price from Alexander's The Jewelers. I thought to myself, geez, I love Triple M's best blend of rock, sport and comedy on my crystal clear digital car stereo from Sound City. So what's your favourite song on Triple M right now? The music gets in the way of it a bit. I heard a good song the other day after a McDonald's ad, though. Right. Uh, and do you have a favourite show or DJ here at Triple M? To be honest, mate, I reckon we could do without them. Too much chat gets in the way of the ads. All right. Well, mate, thanks so much for your insights from the uh, Triple M uh, sales department. No problem, O'Brien. Are you interested in an investment property? I've got a good deal for you, mate. Really good deal. I sort you. Yeah. Black Sabbath are in Australia, playing live tonight at the Royal at the Rod Laver Arena in Melbourne. And Liam's on the phone. He's the official Black Sabbath Rubber Room reporter. How's it going? Are you there, Matt? Yes, I am. Right now, the arrival songs are playing. Opening act. Right, they're going to come in next week. We'll have a chat with them as well. How's the audience? How's the capacity and everything? Oh, the place is packed. Great vibe from everybody. As the show progresses, everyone's going crazier. 
brilliant. How long before Black Sabbath get on? Uh, they say 8.45 starts, so I'd say within about 45 minutes. Great. You having a good time? Yes, I'm loving it. Great show. So Are you far. wearing your Black Sabbath t-shirt? Of course I am. And what's the merch like? Did you have a look at that as well? Oh, the merchandise is great here. Hi, this is Ozzy Osbourne in the rubber room with Ugly Phil. I'm going to come down there and bite his f***ing head up. I don't know if you saw yesterday, I mean, how could you miss it? Johnny Depp and his uh, girlfriend, who isn't Scarlett Johansson, having to apologise for bringing Pistol and Boo into Australia. And I was watching the project and they said afterwards, oh, you could just tell after they did that video that they would have turned to each other and laughed. No, they weren't. They were pissed off. You could tell there was no laughing from Johnny Depp. We've taken two huge Hollywood stars, and I know they broke the law, but we're making them feel as humiliated and as small as possible. They weren't amused. Of course they weren't amused. And it just looked... I mean, there's the ultimate case of cultural cringe right there. And yes, I know they broke the law. And yes, I know we're very strict on it. But, you know, like, let's humiliate Johnny Depp. So when he gets back to LA, he'll tell all his Hollywood friends, mate, don't go there. They'll make you feel like an idiot. Anyway, we had some fun with the Johnny Depp apology video. So, uh, my one and then your one? Okay. All right. Australia is a wonderful island with a treasure trove of unique plants, animals, and people. I need you to listen very carefully to what I'm saying because there are lessons again and again throughout your whole life. (laughs) Australia is free of many pests and diseases that are commonplace around the world. You gotta learn from these things, right? That is why Australia has to have such strong biosecurity laws. It's not what you do. It's when and where you do it, and who you do it to or with. I am truly sorry that Pistol and Boo were not declared. Protecting Australia is important. If nobody sees it, it didn't happen. <laughs> and here's your one. Okay, yeah. Australia is a wonderful island, with a treasure trove of unique plants, animals, and people. When you marooned me on that godforsaken spit of land, you forgot one very important thing, mate. I'm Captain Jack Sparrow. (laughs) Australia is free of many pests and diseases that are commonplace around the world. That is why Australia has to have such strong biosecurity laws. My vessel is magnificent. I am truly sorry (laughs) that Pistol and Boo were not declared. Long peaky peaky. Long meansy weensy. Protecting Australia is important. I confess. (laughs) It is my intention to commandeer one of these ships, pick up a crew and tortuga, raid, pillage, plunder and otherwise pilfer my weasley guts out. There you go. I prefer our versions. (laughs) You're listening to the Rubber Room podcast. Find us on facebook.com forward slash MMM Rubber Room. Hang on, I gotta call someone. Hang on. Hi, Mick speaking. Yeah, hi, mate. It's Phil here at Triple M. Have you got Michael Jackson stuff there? Oh, yeah, thanks. Great. DVDs, everything. Right, somebody's asked me for a Michael Jackson song, but I, I don't know the, the name of it or anything. Yep, yeah, sure. You wanna fire them at me? I can sing them to you if you like. No, no, that's fine. We get that a fair bit. Oh, d- oh, okay, all right. I'll just I'll sing it to you as best I can, and you can tell me what Michael Jackson song it is, okay? Yeah. Um, can, you, um, can you hear me okay? Um, yeah, yeah. Huh? Doesn't seem to matter and it doesn't seem to like crying on end. Don't you yeah, judge yeah. of my yeah, composure because I'm bothered every day and she didn't leave a letter. She just... Uh, yeah, no. yep. Do you know what that is? Yeah, oh, I, I can't remember the song title. I'll right. have to look it up and get back to you if you like. Cool. Okay, thanks, mate. Thanks for helping me with that. I can call you back, by the way. Give me five minutes. Uh, nice rendition, by the way, mate. That was pretty impressive. Oh, do you think? It was a bit of a dead ringer, mate. You, you do that? You, is that your, your job or something? Or what? <laughs> mate, no, no. I can't, uh, <laughs> I can't actually stand Michael Jackson, so I just had to do that as I thought he would sing it. No, it was pretty impressive. Oh, really? Do you think so? Yeah, big fan. You ought to uh, think about doing that for a bit of, uh, bit of crust on the weekend, mate. Seriously? Yeah, worth it, bro. 
Wow. All right, buddy. Well, listen, I appreciate your time. I'll call you back. Yeah, no drama. If you want to be a movie star, well, Hollywood casting director Regina Prokop's on the phone, and she'll tell you about that. Okay, Regina, I want to be a movie star. What do I got to do? Well, basically what you want to do is you want to get a couple of good pictures of yourself, have a friend take some nice, clear digital pictures, one of your face, no glasses, no hat, yep. and another one of your body, and simply find out what's filming in your area and send the pictures out, register with the companies. Um, I know there's a couple of things coming in right now. I know Thor is filming in Queensland. Maybe I could be in Thor as some kind of dysfunctional, odd-looking, evil <laughs> character, you know? Well, you know, it's funny because that's how I got my first speaking role. And I went to talk to the director about working as a casting person, and he looked at me and he said, Are you my villain? <laughs> And I said, I don't know. My name is Regina. And the next thing I know, I've got a speaking role as a prison villain. So luckily, they're opening up a lot of new ranges of types of people that they're hiring. So it's really a good thing. Anybody really can get involved. I did a simple search here from America. I typed in filming in Australia. And there are several websites. One is called ScreenQueensland.com. And it talks about what's filming there. South Australian Film Corporation has another one. And I have information on my Twitter page, which is at ReginaCast. So you can't just obviously turn up and be the next Chris Hemsworth or something. I mean, I presume you're talking about going in as an extra or something like that and then working your way up? Right. I mean, if you're very, very lucky, if you happen to be at the right place at the right time, but I found that working as a movie extra, you get to learn what happens on a movie set you're face-to-face with the directors and the people who do choose people to be speaking roles. A movie that I did with Keanu Reeves was called The Watcher, where right. Keanu Reeves is a murderer. And one of the ladies I hired, she was a young girl, about 18. She was in a crowd scene, and the producers came to me and said, oh, my gosh, she has to be our murder victim. So she got to have a speaking role and be danced around by Keanu and then murdered by him, and she was just ecstatic. <laughs> so, <laughs> What's the etiquette once you're on the set though because I was led to believe and I've had first hand experience of this as an extra you're not allowed to talk to the stars well it's not so much that it's that you look more professional if you don't Mm. if you simply treat them as like another person sometimes if you don't pay attention to them their ego kicks in and then they're more inclined to talk to you like hey doesn't this person know who I am I'm the famous one here it's much better etiquette if you don't speak to them but a lot of times they're very friendly on the set I worked on a movie Groundhog Day and Bill Murray was one He was telling jokes to everybody and just the nicest man ever. So get in at the ground floor. Try to get yourself noticed without being a pain in the ass, basically. Be persistent, but not cross over to the pain. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. Really nice to talk to you. Oh, thank you. And you have a great day. I was a movie extra once on a film, a Nick Giannopoulos film called The Wannabes. I have no idea what it was about because I didn't see it, nor do I think I was actually in it. If I was, I was the security guard. Um, This was back in the days when Nick Giannopoulos used to talk to me. He doesn't talk to me anymore. I don't know why. I don't think he's jealous of my career trajectory anyway. But so here's something I didn't know, Sammy X. If you're an extra in a film... There are rules. There's a sort of a hierarchy of status. And I didn't realise my status was shit boy because I actually made the mistake of, you know, I was sort of walking around. I spoke to the main actor. Oh, Yeah, I didn't know that you weren't supposed to do that. And he's just turned around and given me the, like, oi, shit boy. Who do you think you're talking to? Who was the main actor? Yeah, I don't know what his name was. 
Ah, oh, right, so Obviously, he's not like really his famous. His career trajectory's gone the same way as mine and as mine and Nick Giannopoulos. But anyway, so has anybody ever been an extra? You were going to do it for a while. You got the photos taken. Uh, yeah, I registered. I got the photos taken. I never got any work. Wow. I don't know why. I just, um, I think I was just rejected by the extra world. Nick stopped making films, maybe. I don't know. I didn't realise we had so many celebrities listening to The Rubber Room. How are you, Dan? Not too far, thanks, fella. And yourself? I'm okay. So, what were you in? Uh, so, I was in the American version of Hercules, and we had uh, Lily Sabisky as Xena uh, and Sean Austin. Yeah, it was, it was wicked. Did you watch the film back, and were you on for long? You know what's funny? I can't find it anywhere. No, really? I'm not too sure if it actually made it, to be honest. It was that bad. You could be on a cutting floor somewhere. What character did you play? Uh, so I was a villager. I, I got to hold a couple of swords and swing them about every now and then. But, yeah, nothing too, um, nothing too flash. But it was good fun, and uh, it was four days' work, so that was pretty good when you were... What, probably 18 years old. Of course, yeah. yeah. I'll tell you what, I'm gutted yeah. I missed it. Hopefully it'll be late night on Channel 919. <laughs> I've looked everywhere. It's, um, it seems to be a ghost movie. <laughs> How are you, Joe? Good to yourself. What were you in? Mate, you'll, you'll love this. I was in an episode of Blue Healers. Remember that show? Yeah, did you play the dog? <laughs> <laughs> I look like one, but no, I didn't. But um, the story goes, I, it was a football game. Yep. And the main actors... Uh, the storyline was they had a big blue during the week at work and then they were playing against each other in a game of football. Right. They were going to clash and then we were extras as on the football ground. And mind you, we all had to go out in position, but what happened was everyone lined up on the wing because everyone was trying to get their head on the camera. Of course, that's exactly what I was trying to do, moving backwards and forwards when I was on the scene. Did you get in there for long? Uh, half a second. Oh, <laughs> mate, I didn't know I was talking to such a huge star. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> how are you, Peter? G'day, Phil, how are we? Good, mate, what was it? Uh, unfortunately, it was Trojan Warrior. Was that a film? Uh, it was. It was the film with um, uh, what was, uh, a couple of footballers, Chopper Reed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, you wouldn't want to go up to Chopper and upset him during his film role. What did you play? Um, at one stage, of the man in Balaclava that kidnapped a supposed detective. Yep. And then uh, during a major scene with a big crowd on the bloke standing right, smack bang in the middle. Wow, I'm so gutted that I didn't get to see that either. I mean, that sounds like the magic of movies right there. Mate, you'll be absolutely gutted if you did have to go <laughs> see it. You're listening to the Rubber Room Podcast. You can listen to us weeknights, 7 to 10 p.m. on Triple M. Now, listen, you know, at Triple M, last night we got to know your Triple M by going to the sales department. Tonight we're going to find out about the engineering department here at Triple M, which is where the guys are a curious bunch of people. <laughs> They're called the technicians. Let's find out about them as we get to know your Triple M. So what do you do here at Triple M, Dan? I'm a senior tech. And what does the technical department do here at Triple M? Uh, we make sure the records go through the wires to the big pointy thing. No, we don't play records anymore, mate. It's all on computer. Oh, is that what those are? Yeah. So um, how does it all work? Well, it comes out of the big pointy thing. The transmitter? Yeah, the one on the hill somewhere. Right, so you don't actually know where it is? No, they don't give us cab vouchers anymore since the Christmas party a couple of years ago, so no one goes there. Right. Um, and what do the technicians here at Triple M actually do then? Oh, well, we had a barbecue at Dave's place last weekend. We got wankered. Uh, what, what sort of things do you do here? 
though, on a daily basis? Muck around with this thing with switches and lights on. Right, and what is that exactly? Don't know. It's supposed to be important, though. How do things actually get fixed around here, though? Well, turn them off and on again. And if that doesn't work? I'll just call one of the technicians. Which is you? Yes, sir. And we'll come in and turn it off and then we'll turn it on again. Dan, it's been insightful, mate. Um, thanks for your time. Oh, here's a screwdriver, by the way, that I found in the studio. Oh, yeah. What does that do, then? I was talking to Ozzy Osbourne about the last time they were in Australia, the last time he toured. We toured Australia has been Black Sabbath in the 70s. Did I ever go there with my solo thing? I'm not sure. I know it was something like 14 years between. Show, show them how, how, how the world's changed now. I have a business manager in London, one in New York, and one in... Where is it? Um, where? Oh, Melbourne. <laughs> Do you know what? Going back to the early days of Black Sabbath, it was really interesting because no one quite knew how to pigeonhole this band. You know what? When you're on the inside looking out, I don't go, oh, you've got to do this style of music now. We've got to do that. 45 years, I'm f***ing stumped. People who were kids when we were started and now in their 60s and 70s. So I get them guys and their kids and their grandkids and they all like the f***ing music, you know. I'm not complaining. Some of the bands just come to me and go, hey man, if it wasn't for Sabbath, we wouldn't have been here. And people say, can you hear the influence of Sabbath in their music? Some of it, yes. No, because you, you, you just do it instinctively. The very first time we played Australia, we had ACDC supporting us. I wouldn't support their f***ing crew, no mind. You know, I mean, they're f***ing the biggest band in the world now. Yeah. It's f***ing great, and they've always treated me with the greatest amount of respect. They're the f***ing heroes. And do you hear much of Black Sabbath in a lot of the newer bands that are coming through now? Some of them are considered a tinge, but some of them are like, I mean, at least death metal gothic metal, all these different metals. Some of it's thrash metal, fucking, just some of it's, to me, just like angry people, but maybe we were angry, maybe they took me anger. For our time, we were an angry band, I suppose. When we started, it wasn't all bells and fucking flowers, it was like, we were in an industrial quasmire, you know. Ozzy, it's fantastic to talk to you, man. All right, take care. So I've got this guy on the phone, Dave, who sends me stuff. He's been collecting radio stuff for the last 20 years. And he sends me stuff that he's found from his vault. Uh, and this morning when I got in, I found a bit of a gem. So what's this one about, man? I don't know if you remember this one, Ugly, but it's the time that you rang up a bloke and said that you got his tattoo wrong. Yeah. You're pretending to be the tattooist. I don't even remember this. This must go back a while. And we said we'd misspelled his tattoo and he got really pissed off. I would imagine there's a large part of that decade you wouldn't remember at all. There's a lot of that period. This is going <laughs> back a good 10 years. Well, keep the stuff coming, mate. Thank you. Thanks, Ugly. Enjoy. And there's actually, I remember a story at the end of this, which I'll tell you. Firstly, one from the vault. Yeah, g'day. Uh, Davo. Yeah, who wants to know? Mate, um, you popped down here on the weekend. It's the tattoo parlour here. Uh, you, you came down to the tattoo parlour yeah. on, on the weekend and you've yeah, got... Yeah. You got a, a tattoo as part of our um, part of our Warrior Code series of Japanese um, writing. Uh, Japanese death before dishonour. Yeah, death before dishonour is what you wanted. Yeah, that's, um, yeah, that's the one I got. It looks good, mate. You did a good job. Did I leave something there? No. The problem is uh, one of the work experience kids um, has mixed up the stencils. No, Warrior no, code no, thing. no, no, mate. My one, my one's definitely um, it's Japanese words or you know their writing. For um, death before dishonour. That's the one I got. No, mate. 
I think the one you've got says, and I hate to tell you this, buddy, um, your one says, I love cats. You just better be bullshit, mate. Yeah, I'm sorry, mate. I mean, I'm probably, if you don't mind it getting a little bit... You're just me, aren't you? No, mate, it says you've got I love cats in Japanese on your back. You f***ing idiot. Bullshit. I'm coming down there, mate, and you better fix it straight away. You're <laughs> So a few years later, I was doing a Triple M event, and this massive guy sidles up next to me, covered in tattoos, and he says, uh, you know who I am? I went, no, I don't. I'm the bloke you rang up, pretending that you got my tattoo wrong. And I thought he was going to beat the crap out of me. And he just stared at me with his, like, steely eye. And then he started laughing. <laughs> and he said it was the funniest thing. So I don't I realised afterwards you were taking the piss, mate. I nearly went down there and I realised it was you. Ugly, ugly. Is it dead? It's just as ugly. Triple M. The Rubber Room. Hi, this is Shirley from Garbage, and you're tuned into Ugly Phil. But you know what? He's beautiful. So, Mr. Inappropriate, please introduce, and I'm very excited for our next guest. Garbage? Why are we playing it then? No, no, they're garbage. Then why the f*** are we playing them? The band are garbage. <laughs> exactly my f***ing point. Just say he's garbage. I work hard to make this show happen. We do not need any garbage. Forget it, Mr. Inappropriate. I'll do it. Here's garbage. We don't need it! A whole entire garbage story started right here. I've got Shirley for you on the other line. I'll just conference you in and I'll leave you to it. Well, well, well. Look who we have here. Do you know what? How are you? I found out that you were Soundwave. I missed you. I was completely gutted. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, it was, it's true. It was weird to come to Australia and not see you. Waiting for you. Waiting for the phone call. Nothing. <laughs> Midnight Saturday with a lonely <laughs> bottle of whiskey thinking, any minute now my old buddy will ring. Nothing. <laughs> but we can make up for it now, can't we? That's it. One of the last times we spoke was going back to, I think, in the UK when I was at Kerrang Radio, and you'd had a bit of trouble with your throat around that particular time as well. You were a bit concerned about that. Oh, God, yeah. I, yeah, I can't believe you remember that. Yeah, I had uh, nodes, but I didn't know it at the time, and then I had to go for vocal surgery, and God, yeah, well remembered. Well, I think you're singing, uh, especially on the latest track, I felt that you were channeling a bit of your inner Chrissy Hind and maybe a touch of Grace Slick thrown in there as well. Ooh, I love that. Thank you. <laughs> Actually, heavier than the usual garbage stuff, especially with the guitars as well. I feel like we've made a pretty aggressive guitar-driven record. It has made no concessions to pop music whatsoever, I think, really, in some regards. It's a pretty dark, brooding, cinematic record. Because I was looking through the track listings and there's as you say, a bit of darkness, maybe even a bit of despair in the titles. You know, you have Empty, you've got Night Drive, Loneliness, uh, Even Though Our Love Is Doomed. I guess we are sort of of the school that, you know, you have to acknowledge your dark side, you know, to have a fully fledged life in, in this world. I think if you deny all the shadows and all the flaws and all the dark corners, you're not really living fully. We believe that you can acknowledge the dark side and still, you know, have a bright life. Did you all grasp the vision straight away of where this album was going to go? We did, and we have Steve Marker, our trusty guitarist, to thank for that. He brought in an instrumental, which is actually the first track that you hear on the opening of the record. 
he brought it in as an instrumental and he played it for us and we all knew that that was the beginning of the record and it sort of set the template for the entire record. I imagine that the period between albums would have driven you a bit mad. It did drive me a wee bit mad for a lot of different reasons. You know, um, we were incredibly frustrated by the situation we found ourselves in the music industry, having been sort of the darlings for so long. We all of a sudden, because culture changed, music changed, technology changed, we all of a sudden find ourselves sort of on the outside looking in had no perspective because we'd been touring for a decade and we had no idea what culture was like. Being on the radio is all I know. And when you suddenly find yourself on the outer, you think, do I continue doing what I know that has been successful or have I got to play catch-up? Yeah, um, it's funny. You're right. I mean, exact, you must probably have been there yourself. Anyone who's had a long career understands that there are moments when you are just on the outside and there's nothing you can do about it. You're doing the same thing as you've always done, but people just, for whatever reason, just don't connect with it. And then, you know, you hang around long enough and you just keep working and keep trying to do good work. Sooner or later, things come back round. I think that's just how it works. Because it has come back round for garbage. The new album's called Strange Little Birds. We were talking before about how everything's so cyclic, and I'm going to go out there right now and say that I think 2016 will be the return of rock. Well, I hope you're right, Phil. Yeah, so do I. <laughs> I think everyone's sort of craving a little authenticity. There are so many artists now sort of pushed through what I call the sausage machine. Yep. You know, that basically they take all these artists and their music could be completely interchangeable. It's irrelevant what their personalities are, as they could just all sing the same songs and you wouldn't really be able to tell much difference between them and they're not really writing their own material either so they just become these sort of puppets and I think as a result people are aching for some real voices some real perspectives you know for better or for worse because you know it is down to the young voices who have an ability to connect with young generations you know yeah. that we need to hear from I mean I can shout from the rooftops until I'm blue in the face and you know nobody's going to want to necessarily listen to me Recently you had the 20th anniversary of the first album. Do you go back and listen to that occasionally? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I had to for the 20th anniversary tour. You know, we yeah. had to go back and learn all the songs again. And But in general, I try not to get stuck in my past. It's sort of an irrelevancy, you know. But I look at your Facebook page and I notice there's a lot of young girls that you've really inspired. Phil, you're making me feel so good about myself. <laughs> <laughs> You must get a lot of feedback from people that must make you feel really good. It's the greatest privilege of my life, if the truth be told. You know, when a, another young person says that our music has helped them or comforted them or inspired them, you know, when we meet other artists, you know, like I know Katy Perry and Lady Gaga, they've all given us great shout-outs, you know, and to know that all these massive pop stars were inspired to do what they love to do because... They listen to some garbage songs along the way. That feels amazing. I can't wait to hear the um, album, which is out June 10, I think. Yeah. Uh, and it's gone now. You can't bring it's, it back. Yeah, but it's a good record, so I feel good about letting it go off into the world unaided. Try and come back to Australia if you can, too. I know you've got this massive tour. But... I will. Just for you, Phil. Could you? Okay. We'll talk soon. Take care. You too. Bye, guys. You're listening to The Rubber Room Podcast. You can listen to us weeknights, 7 to 10 p.m. on Triple M. I didn't know that yesterday was International Weed Day. How the hell did that fly under my radar? Which is why Suzanne, who's on the phone, does Gunja Yoga. I smoke two joints in the morning. I smoke two joints at night.
So how long have you been doing yoga for? How did it all come about? I've been practicing yoga for 15 years. And four years ago, I tried marijuana. And then I just naturally found myself wanting to stretch my body and do some yoga. So I thought, well, wouldn't it be neat if I had a class where we could all smoke together in a community and then we could do the yoga together? Have you noticed a large influx of sweaty, hairy young boys turning up to your class? <laughs> Not yet, but who knows? After I get more publicity, it could be. It must be hard to free your mind when you're thinking about so many things. Even just a puff or two is really all you need. Um, and that actually can help to concentrate your mind. You really can focus right in on your breath and on your body. And so, you know, it, it actually enhances the class. I imagine, you know, some of the first time yoga smokers, though, would be turning up and you'd go, you know, now we'll be doing the down yard dog. And they're like, <laughs> 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 do you get any of that? I don't really get a lot of, sometimes people giggle. But for the most part, people seem to really get into this sort of inward journey, psychedelic kind of trip. Sometimes uh, people aren't following my my instructions. Like they'll stay in one pose. Maybe they really like it or maybe they forgot. I'm not sure. But uh... Do you know what, though? I'd get really paranoid because, you know, I'd be going like into the Lotus or whatever. And I'd be A, afraid I'd get a cramp or B, I'd just get like paranoid that I'm going to slow my heart down too much. Yeah, I mean, it's true because, you know, smoking marijuana can definitely make people paranoid. So, um, But the, the atmosphere of the class is really non-intimidating. It's not one of those, you know, really tough yoga, power yoga kind of classes where you have to do these really advanced poses. A lot of the music that you play during yoga, of course, is very sort of, you know, the harps, very transient music as well. I mean, I'd just be a bit worried I'd want to suddenly hear Purple Haze. <laughs> well, I wouldn't put it past. I have played uh, Bob Marley at one of my ganja yoga classes. You should, before, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, do you have like people at the end go, right, let's have something to eat? Yes, definitely. I mean, I mean, after a yoga class in general, people are, are kind of hungry. But after, you know, smoking pot, definitely people get the munchies. I always provide um, really healthy snacks that can, you know, kind of ground people and do something really healthy for yourself. Go for a walk. Right, nice to talk to you. And happy uh, International Weed Day as well for yesterday. My program director, Tom, it's very important that I connect with the listeners on something that I know they would be interested in. So, uh, And I noticed the Snapchat thing that you found yesterday. There's been a bit of an outcry about the Bob Marley Snapchat that came out. Although that didn't stop you, Sammy X, from recording about 50 different videos and sending them to me at midnight. So thank you for that. <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed them, Phil. What was your favourite Bob Marley Snapchat song that you were singing to? Uh, no Woman, No Cries. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Start singing when you move your eyebrows. So we've been taking you around Triple M over the last couple of days. We've showed you the Triple M sales department. Uh, we've shown you the Triple M technical department as well. Um, over the next few days, we'll take you to the program director. That'll open your eyes up. Uh, and also to the DJs as well. But I thought tonight, maybe because a lot of people ask this question, Sammy X, how does the music Triple M play actually get played on Triple M, right? Yeah, I get this question maybe 50 times a day. Oh, good. We can answer that tonight and get to know your Triple M. We're going to take you to the head of rock and our music department. Hey Matt, mate, could you explain the music department to us? Rock and roll, it ain't noise pollution. Rock and roll ain't gonna die. So what do you do here exactly? Well, we're building the city on rock and roll. Right, okay, and what songs are you excited about right now? Listen to this, Dave Grohl farting into a jar that Lars gave him at Sound City. Triple M gonna play that? 247, baby. What else you got? Okay, wrap your ears around this one. Disturbed, doing a cover of Don't Worry, Be Happy. You 
is a little song I wrote. You might sing it note for note. Wow, that's different. Yep. God gave rock and roll to you. And anything else you like? <sighs> Mate, Cold Chisel doing ACDC, but changing the lyrics to Thirsty Merc. Dirty Deeds! Thirsty Merc! Wow. Well, thanks for your insights, Matt. Don't like the rock die in your fridge, Uggers. Uh, what does that mean? Don't know. Some radio consultant said it to me once. Find this a bit disturbing. He held me. Go! The Rubber Room.